Before we begin our study, let's pray together. Baruch Adonai, Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Kitshenu B'Misvatav, Etzivanu L'Asok B'Divrei Torah. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. Well, this weekend we're reading about the Song of Moses, one of the songs that, that Moses sang right before uh, he prepares to leave Israel and to go up on that mountain in that hidden place, and he is going to uh, be received by the Lord. His life is coming to an end. He, he sings a song and he teaches the song to Israel. You can turn to Deuteronomy chapter 31. Verse 30 is what I want to emphasize. It says that Moses spoke in the ears of all the congregation of Israel the words of the song until they were finished. So he spoke to them. Now, in, in Hebrew, where it uses this term, spoke the words of the song, it, it doesn't mean that this was a spoken word song. It really means he taught them the lyrics and he sang with them. And you might not know, but uh, Moses actually has one of the psalms. If you go to uh, Psalm 90, it's called A Prayer of Moses, the Man of God, and every psalm is to be sung. So every psalm has, uh, has a, a, a tune to it, and Psalm 90, verse 1 says, Lord, you've been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. This is a beautiful and poetic way of, of saying that God precedes the creation of the universe, and he is not bounded by time. From everlasting to everlasting, you are the Lord. And then in verse 8, there's this uh, statement that, that we can identify with, having just finished the days of awe in Yom Kippur. You've set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. Did you discover any of your sins, any new sins? I did this past week. I, I shared about that on Yom Kippur. But by coming into the presence of God with humility, he will open up things in us that we hadn't recognized before that he wants us to deal with. And, and I can tell you, one of the sins that really touched me when we were doing the al was uh, sins against our neighbors. And I hadn't thought about my neighbors. I, I generally think I do okay with my neighbors. But one of our neighbors has been uh, hostile to, to us as because we're Messianic Jews. That's how I understood it. And they thought it was their job to not be nice and to, to actually not even acknowledge that we're humans or present. And so if we wave at them, you know, they hang their head and so forth. And so I thought that this was a, just a kind of anti-Messianic Semitism, if you will. But this week... During the days of awe, a, a guy I know who knows them and knows us told me that they had suffered a tragic loss when uh, they were a young couple and they lost one of their uh, twins, their firstborn. Uh, and one of the twins, just a little child, was somehow 
playing around a bucket of water and fell into the bucket and drowned. And the mother uh, has, has not recovered. You know, it's a great loss, you can imagine. So what I realized was I just thought they were cranky or mean or hostile. I didn't realize they were wounded in this way. And so it never occurred to me, this may sound strange, but because I didn't have insight into their condition, I wasn't praying for healing for them. I was praying in different ways. So this week, I started praying for healing. Every time I would see them or think of them, I I was just asking the Lord to bring comfort to their heart, to bring that special knowledge of Yeshua and the comforter who can really bring healing, and to touch them in ways and in places that they just can't be touched, uh, going in the ways that they are right now. And so I found myself interceding for them. And it was really the case that there was like this uh, log, a branch in my eye, and there was a splinter, a little moat in their eye, and it had to be fixed. And it was during the days of awe, during Yom Kippur, that the Lord made it clear to me that this was the situation. And so when I'm reading this, you said our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. I can say, the Lord does that. And when he does that, it's not necessarily a, uh, a terrible thing. It can be an awesome thing. Because we become equipped. We become uh, empowered to live differently. Then down to verse 12. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Taking seriously the times that we have. And asking God for that heart of wisdom. And then I, I love this. After a plea for compassion... Verse 14, Lord, satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love so that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. So this is Moses. This is Moses saying, when we wake up in the morning, bring that kind of satisfaction that causes us, causes us to wake up with a song and to sing with joy all day and to be glad all day and all of our days. Make us glad for as many days as you've afflicted us, for as many years as we've seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us, establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. So that's an example of yet another song, a song in prayer, an intercessory song that that Moses offers. And Moses isn't the only the only one who offers great songs, I think of the Haftorah. You can turn to 2 Samuel chapter 22. It uses much the same language in verse 1. It says, David spoke the words of this song to the Lord. But when it says he spoke these words, it doesn't mean, I mean, maybe speak isn't really the right way to translate it, even though the word can be used in that fashion. It's, it's from the root of devar, which would mean uh, word or to speak. But it's, it's better to say that he's saying these words. But the emphasis is on the words themselves and the content. David spoke the words of the song to the Lord in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. 
And then down to verse 47, 2 Samuel 22, verse 47. It has this great, this great line, the Lord lives and blessed be my rock. Can you say that with me? The Lord lives and blessed be my rock and exalted be the God, the rock of my salvation. Say that with me. Exalted be God, the rock of my salvation. So this psalm helps us, uh, I mean, this this passage from Haftorah helps us understand it's not just Moses, it's David as well. But we see in Psalm 18 the, the, same, the same song that David wrote. So you can turn to Psalm 18. You get a little finger exercise tonight. And it starts by saying this is for the choir director. So in other words, this is to be sung by a group of people under the leadership of a director. A psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spoke to the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, I love you, Lord. I love you, O Lord, my strength. When he was delivered he from... Uh, from his enemies and from Saul. That's, that's what he said to the Lord. He said, I love you, O Lord, my strength. Can you say that to the Lord? I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who's worthy to be praised, and so I'm saved from my enemies. This is just a beautiful refrain. And I remember when I first became a believer, we learned some very simple songs that were based on the scriptures. And we learned to sing some of these songs. I'm not a singer, so I'm not going to regale you with uh, my cacophony or my monotone. But we we learned scripture by singing scripture. And we learned to have certain things in our heart by paying attention to what was in the hearts of those who wrote the scriptures. You know, there's a, there's a principle about the heart. If you hang around with people, you'll become like them. If you hang around with angry people, guess what you'll become? Angry. If you hang around with resentful people, you'll become resentful. If you hang around with joyful people, you'll become joyful you really will I heard an interview with a marriage counselor today he's been a counselor for 30 years and he said he's never seen anything like the season that we're in right now and the troubles that couples are having because of the elections (laughs) and so he was describing how couples are behaving And they're not necessarily uh, coming and saying, you know, the elections are bugging us or something like this, but they're mimicking the behavior of the candidates, calling each other's names, um, trying to defeat the other one rather than be reconciled. They are, they're using a lot of power-packed emotion and, and so forth. And the interviewer said, wow, 
this is really terrible. So this is what happens when one of the people is supporting one candidate and the other is supporting the other candidate. And he said, no, 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 I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about people who are supporting the same candidate. And he said that the negative emotional behavior that's being modeled for us by our candidates, by our political candidates, is impacting people in ways they don't even realize. Because your strong emotions are contagious. You pick them up from people, whether you recognize it or not. It it was fascinating. I post a link to it on my Facebook page, my personal Facebook page. You may want to listen to the interview. It's just five, uh, five minutes or so long, but very, very useful. I may mention some more details uh, tomorrow. But you see, the things that touch your heart may be things you're not even aware of. But if, if you've got, if, if, if you're getting tense and nervous about stuff and you don't realize why, it's important to say, well, what are the negative emotions I'm being exposed to? And how do I need to stand in a different way? One of the ways that we train our hearts is we gather together with people who love God. Because that helps us love God. And then we come with sincerity before the Lord. And we open our hearts to him. And not only that, but we learn to serve together with people who enjoy serving the Lord. If you're serving with people who have that joy, you know what? You'll pick up on the joy too. If you serve with people who are committed, you know what effect that will have on you? You'll become committed. If you serve with people who are on time and keep their schedules, what effect will that have on you? You'll become on time. You'll you'll serve. It's just a positive effect like that. And in the same way, if if you, you don't serve or you serve with resentment, then you'll have an effect on other people that will be negative. So this is one of the reasons why I really love the Psalms of David, because he's so honest. When he's hurting, he brings it before the Lord, but he doesn't stop when he's hurting. He keeps pressing into God until he gets a sense of release, even if he has to cry out to the Lord for hours or days. He doesn't stop. And sometimes you can read the Psalms of David and you'll think, oh, is this guy bipolar? Is he manic depressive? No, he's just honest. And he's showing us what is it like to persevere until you get that breakthrough with God, until you find out that you are standing on solid ground with him and you can say, he's my rock, he's my fortress. And you can not only talk about him, you can talk to him. And you can say, I love you, Lord. You're my strength. The Lord's my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God, my rock, in whom I take refuge. You see, David in Psalm 18, he's not proclaiming theological truth, though it is true. He's he's describing his intimate experience with God. He's not saying God is the rock. He's saying he's my rock. It's one thing to say He's the Lord. It's another thing to say, he's my Lord. He's my master. He's my redeemer. He's my savior. He's my healer in whom I take refuge. You know, it's so easy to tell other people what they should be doing with God. You know what's more important? 
to do it. Not just to tell others, but to do it, and then you can share with others. My shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, I call upon the Lord, who's worthy to be praised, and I'm saved from my enemies. And then I like Psalm 95, verse 1. This is like a little tour of Scripture. Come, let us shout joyfully to the Lord, shout triumphantly to the rock of our salvation. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, who was the chief rabbi of uh, the United Kingdom, had some comments about uh, this week's Torah portion. He says, the last thing Moses did before giving the people his, uh, his deathbed blessing was to teach them a song. The last thing that Moses did before giving, him, giving them his deathbed blessing was to teach them the song. And he continues, and this is interesting. He says, the rabbis enumerated 10 songs at key moments in the life of the nation. There was the song of the Israelites in Egypt, as mentioned in Isaiah 30, verse 29. The song at the Red Sea, Exodus 15. The song at the well, Numbers 21. And Hazinu, Moses' song at the end of his life. Joshua sang a song, Joshua 10, verses 12 and 13. So did Deborah. Judges 5, and Hannah, 1 Samuel 2, and David, 2 Samuel 22, which we were just referring to in his Haftorah. There was the Song of Solomon, Shir Hasharim, the Song of Songs, about which Rabbi Akiva said, all songs are holy, but the Song of Songs is the holy of holies. And then he said this, the tenth song has not yet been sung, it's the Song of the Messiah. So I read that, and I think... You know, among the the great rabbinic and pastoral teachers of the Jewish people in this era, Jonathan Sachs is superb, but he's not a Messianic Jew, and so he doesn't know something. The song of Messiah has been sung. The book of Revelation tells us that angels have learned the song, and it turns out, depending on how you understand it, that there's the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. And so what I think is Moses and Yeshua wrote a song together. And then they taught it in heaven to angels. And then it came down to us through the writer of Revelation. And this is what it says in in Revelation 15, verses 3 and 4. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty, Just and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Now this sheds light also on that Mount of Transfiguration and the time when Moses and Elijah show up, when Yeshua's on the mountain with Peter and some of the other guys. And this is not the first time Moses and Yeshua are meeting. They're having some consultation together, though. Peter, you know, is thinking, oh, man, let's make a sukkah for these guys. You know, that'll really be a great thing to remember. Uh, And Yeshua is like, oh, come on, Peter. You know, you always have these ideas. They're not necessarily great ideas. But think about when Moses was standing on that that mountain in the land of Israel. You know what that meant? 
the first time he set foot in the promised land was with Yeshua. Because he brought Israel right up to the boundary, and then he died. He did not go in. But God knows how to fulfill everything. And so Moses, somehow in this unprecedented moment, comes down on the mountain with Elijah. They meet with Yeshua. The other guys are watching. They don't really know exactly what's going on. And I don't know, maybe they were talking and, you know, Moses could have said, I think I got the tune worked out. I'm not sure what they were talking about. The scripture's not completely clear about their conversation. But can you imagine Moses collaborating with Yeshua to write songs and then to teach songs? We don't think of Yeshua as a songwriter. But anyone who can inspire the Psalms can write music. So no doubt Yeshua can be uh, a very skillful songwriter. Well, I was reading about all of this, and I was thinking just how beautiful life is with the Lord and how important it is in, in challenging times, in good times, in every kind of time, to draw close to the Lord. And not only to draw close to the Lord as an individual, but draw close to the Lord with other people. Because when you do that, you know what? You make others strong, and they make you strong. And you receive a portion of the joy that they have, and you help carry a portion of the burden that's heavy for them. When the Lord is with you, he doesn't want you to be, you know, to die for those people. He died for their sins. You don't have to. But you can live with them and live the life that God has given you in such a way that has an impact on them. Be a person of joy. Be a person of boldness. Uh, if you have to drink coffee first thing in the morning in order to smile, get that cup of coffee. If, if you need a time of quietness and uh, your quiet time with the Lord before you can tolerate being with people, take that quiet time. If it's better for you to have quiet time late at night or in the middle of the night, take that quiet time with the Lord. Do what you need to do so that when you're living, you're living with people, you're having an impact on them. And I can tell you, God will use you. He'll use you to make a difference. And he'll use you to touch people he's wanting to touch. So be strong in the Lord. And as you're reading the Torah portion of the Hof Torah this weekend, I encourage you, try to sing some of it yourself. Even if you have to do it by yourself. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that the song of the Lord was given to Moses and Messiah and that we can sing together with you. I thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit who comes to us. I thank you that, that in, in the times of the first generation, people would gather together and one would have a song, one would have a spiritual song, one would have a psalm which were sung and played. And, and they would encourage each other and strengthen one another. Let it be true for us too. That we learn to have that kind of fellowship together and to have an impact on one another. I pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. So find somebody who, who looks grumpy and start praying for them. That's my advice. Let's close with Aaron's prayer. And don't forget...
For Sukkot, what do you bring? Cookies. Cookies. And how many? Lots. That's right. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha. Ye'er Adonai panave lecha v'ichunecha. Yisar Adonai panave lecha v'yasem lecha shalom. The Lord bless you and keep watch over you. The Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of me. Peace. Amen. Shabbat Shalom. Don't forget to wish Rabbi Yuri happy anniversary and Rebbe Zanina happy anniversary.